This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week from our analysis show team are Rich Steele and Tom Whittaker, and from our preview show team, Dave Roberts and Adam Dennett. We are, of course, as has been the case throughout most of October, listeners, sandwiching preview shows and analysis shows together because fixtures are coming thick and fast. After that midweek performance, we are already back at Turf Moor this weekend. So we will be looking ahead to the Reading fixture. Um, But before we do that, we have a small matter of a quiz question, which we need to give you an answer to. In our last preview show, Dave asked you the following question. Can you name the two Burnley players who have made at least 100 league appearances for both Burnley and Norwich City since 1945? Now, I know at the time, I don't I remember, I think last week when you were on, I don't think you remembered this actually, Tom, but Rich, did you did you have any guesses with this? So 100 games for both clubs. Yeah. Oh. It was quite funny really, because oh. obviously we'd done the played for both section. And I said at the time that I was going to tweet out the picture and then we got to the question, I was like, oh, nope, can't do that. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, I'll put you out of misery. Um, it no. was. I could probably think of it. I could think about it. I'd, I'd need a bit of time, so... Okay. You mean the time between the last preview show and tonight? Ah, yeah, I didn't listen to busted. the last one. <laughs> busted. Well, listen. I've been really busy with half two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's okay. You're allowed some time off. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that strict to boss, I promise you. Um, Matt is, though, producer Matt. Uh, the, the answers were Mickey Phelan and Jason Shackle. Now... This week's quiz stars, we had two who gave us a right answer. We did have a few incorrect ones. I think a lot of people got Mickey Phelan, but not many people got Jason Shackle. And so our two listeners this week who got the correct answer were Adrian Caton and David Entwistle. Well done to both of you. Um, If you missed out on this week's quiz question, you do not need to fret. All you need to do is hang around till the end of the show and we will give you another one. So we're going to start this week's preview show with, of course... Um, a look back over that fantastic midweek victory at Turf Moor. But before we do that, we're going to hand over to our good buddy, um, Analysis Show team member, George Poole, who's going to give us a little bit of an update on the Clarets Trust. 
Hello Clarets fans, George Poole here from the Clarets Trust and of course, no near never. Now, first things first, what a win the other night. We're on an absolute roll at the moment, aren't we? I seem to go into every game and you don't have this feeling of anxiety that we might lose. <laughs> this might sound premature and maybe come Saturday I'll come to regret it, but I just go into every game with confidence at the moment that even if even if we don't manage to find a winner, we'll at least be coming away with a draw. So yeah, Absolutely over the moon with what's happening at the moment. And uh, how long do we give it before we start singing the uh, the undefeated chants? Because <laughs> that's a good throwback from 2016. And the way it's heading, who knows? It could extend beyond 23 games. But uh, for the time being, let's focus on Saturday against Reading. I'm coming up for the game from Bath, so looking forward to it. Looking forward to being back on turf because it was absolutely raucous on uh, on Tuesday night. Watching it on the telly, you could just hear Burnley fans just all all game. It was electric, so buzzing to be there on Saturday. But as for the Clarets Trust this week, I've just got a favour to ask. If anyone if anyone listening is a member of the Clarets Trust or is thinking about joining the Clarets Trust, we are looking for volunteers at the moment. So we're running our annual elections shortly, in about two months' time. But in order to do so and to keep things all, all well within the checks and balances, we need an election management group who will oversee this eight-week process, set the timetable, just basically ask for nominations, handle the nominations. It'll all be overseen by our new secretary, uh, Mark Atwood, and the volunteers, it really wouldn't require too much of your time, but we just need about three, three, four, five volunteers to join this election management group just so that we can get these elections underway and hold our annual general meeting. So be really appreciative if anyone can step forward and just has maybe an hour a week at most to, to, to commit to, it'll probably be even less than that to be honest, to commit to be part of this election management group and I can't tell you how much it will help us out. So yeah, please reach out to either me on Twitter, I'm at George Puddle or um, you can email me at claretstrust at gmail.com. That's claretstrust at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter or Facebook. But yeah, that's all for this week, folks. Um, hope you enjoy the podcast and here's to three points this Saturday. Ah, oh, young George is full of the beans of spring right now at the moment. It was all doom and gloom when um, when Dyche left and refused to accept the new changes, but he's all hyper now. He is funny, listeners. We do take the mickey out of him. You never really know which George you're going to get. He's either up or down. He doesn't have any middle ground, bless him. But we do adore him. Um, Tom, it was a funny game on Tuesday night. Let, let's look back at the Watford result before we go any further. Um, I don't think I can remember a more dominant display as we did in that first half. And 1-0 probably didn't really do the game justice. Yeah, although having said that, it could have very easily been another one of those frustrating nights where we've drawn um, against the team that we've dominated. I think as much as we were really good in that first half, as you say, we had a lot of the ball Um the first 20 minutes especially, um, Zorori had the Max Aaron's on toast, got him in the book, um, and you thought, oh, it's going to be another Swansea. But we just didn't work the keeper enough. I think after 20 minutes, Norwich realised these are miles better than us. Let's just sit in and, and try and get a point. Um, and, of course, we've seen all season that we do struggle when teams do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think other than the penalty, I think the only shot we had on target was one from Taller in the first half that was you could have caught it in a cap. So... You know, could have very easily had Hanley not put his hand up in the box or had um, Murich not made that save from Pukie at the end or Goodmanson cleared the one off the line from, from Kentwell. We could have been sat here talking about another 1-1, another frustrating yeah. game, a few points dropped. But 
um, you know, take the positives really. You know, there's been that many of these games this season where we have dropped those points. It's good to see maybe just some little tweaks have, have benefited us. Having Benson to come on in the second half that's made the goal, that's it's a big positive to have that um, impact from the bench. I thought company did a good job of when Hugo came on, you were thinking, oh, God, he can be equaliser then, um, yeah. you know, that post header. But uh, he, he made the change, he went more defensive and it paid off. Um, and we saw the game out in Sean Dyche like style. So, uh, yeah, just some little tweaks. And, and well, we, you know, you probably argue as well that a lot of these one ones have been a bit unlucky. So, um, if we did get a bit of the rub of the green on Tuesday night, well, we've got to we've got to take that as well. And it's an encouraging result. Yeah, definitely. Rich, I'm going to come to you first before we move on to other things, because one of the things that was annoying a lot of fans on Tuesday night was the performance of the referee. Um, Paul Tierney relegated to briefly um, to a spell in the championship, um, just with some poor performances in the Premier League and um, very much caught the anger of the Burnley fans for much of the night, with most people coming off saying that he'd had an appalling game and he was the worst ever, particularly the challenge on Teller, was it, when he put him in the in the stands? Um, you've got a very different view of this after you've now watched the game back, so I'm going to let you lead on this and just give us your thoughts on the referee's performance. Yeah, you never defend when you talk about the referee. I, it might sound slightly biased. I, I did actually coach Paul T and his son for about oh, a year. Oh, here we go. In, but, this makes no, sense. No, he's, he's actually <laughs> been a nice guy. Um, he's, he's, he had a barbershop in Wigan before he was a, a ref, but like I was the same as you. The one on Teller, which they kind of shoved him in the to- into touch and the orange one on Rodriguez and otherwise at Hayden was a possible second yellow. But when you actually watch the game back, I thought the referee had a really good game, actually. Um, the teller one where he's obviously gone off the pitch, the defender's just stronger than him and because he's running at pace, it's, kind of, it's made it look worse than what he is and because where he's ended up. And the one on Aaron's, I was like, that's a definite penalty. And I text my mate at the time who was watching the game and he was, and I said, that must be yellow. Went, no, it's not. Like, Aaron's just actually pulled out of the challenge okay. but just because they're going re- really fast. It looks quicker than it was. So I watched the game back yesterday and then Natalie, you was like, no, that's no definite yellow. <laughs> yep. So I was like, right. So I watched it back a few times this morning and I think if Aaron's got sent off, sent off, he couldn't have grumbled about it. But actually, if you do watch it again closely, He's actually pulled out with the tackle. I don't know if you two have actually gone back and watched it again on Clavitz Plus, but he, he has pulled back a little bit and I can understand why the referee hasn't hasn't sent him off because he's if he you know because he's not gone fully into Jay. And over and you know what, he gave the penalty. How many it was a blatant handball, but how many times have you seen referees yeah. not give those type of decisions? And he was brave and he and he gave it. Um I'm not one to defend referees a lot, but I thought on that occasion. Um, oh, listeners, I, I just wish game. you could see Tom Whitaker's face now when I was in call. In what sense? Can you not in, see him? What's he? What's he? He's shaking his head at you, Rich. He's shaking his head. Well, Nipping Tom, thought, give a rebuttal. Saying he, was, back saying he was brave to give the most blatant handball ever. I mean, it's like. Well, maybe not brave then, but in terms of how many times do we not see it given? Do we not see handballs? Look at the Cedric. Did you watch Swans in Cardiff the other yeah, day? That, yeah, yeah, that's an awful decision. So, like, you, you see handballs not 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 given a lot because refs are scared to make decisions on the road <laughs> now. And I think... That was the point that I was making to you, though. Tom, can I just say something, right? Tom's having a go at me. He doesn't know the offside rule properly, listeners, until this morning. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah, that's true. In the group chat. The, so, I didn't not, follow that chat. I'm not going to get officiating lessons from Mr Whitaker. <laughs> 
after this morning. I, I have to. Get, I got a diagram for him to explain a rule. Honestly, so, it was ridiculous, listeners. It was, it, and it just descended that. into the most ridiculous amount of. I'm not even joking. He's not exaggerating. He's rich. He was actually sending us diagrams in the group chat and I lost it about halfway through um no I, th- I think that's a really good point actually Rich and I think I really wanted you when you put that in your group chat to in the group chat to say to, to make that point on the podcast because it is very easy to jump on referees and they are particularly poor in the championship we thought we had it bad in the Premier League but they are bad yeah but I think that's what when you were saying then about how many times have you seen those handballs not given that was kind of the point I was making with the red card that wasn't it, it's it's just consistency that we're looking for. And you just don't really, you can't have a situation where decisions, officiating decisions are down, or subjective decision put down to whatever mood the referee's on the day. It's just the lack well, of. Do you not think you're allowed the referee to referee the game in their own way? Everyone complains now that VAR, it's referees are like robots. But then when a referee does have their own little interpretation on a decision and uses a bit of common sense to go, if we're looking at it from a non-Burnley point of view, a referee wants to keep 11 versus 11 on a pitch, and Max Aarons is not intent... He's actually injured himself because he's backed out of a challenge, and Rodriguez has actually gone into him. So even though it is a foul, you've got to look at it from, from that way too. And we're constantly going on about VAR as a toenail offside. The referees are like robots. So when a referee kind of has his own interpretation of a game, people don't like it. Like watching a Tottenham game last night, you know, we had a full WhatsApp conversation today about offside is a t- you know and all that so my point is and it'd be interesting to see the listeners is how many listeners would want VAR to come into the championship if we stayed oh, there no definitely not but because I think the problem is Rich is I think I get what you're saying about consistency yeah, but I thought stakes are too high not, Rich that's the problem but not, but not every decision is this, like is that Max Evans decision yellow you seem to think it's a yellow I don't so you're talking about consistency, but has there been another if, incident that exactly. season? Exactly. If we can't agree, then how is... Yeah, I get this that. Is... Yeah. So have you watched it back on telly? Yeah. I still yeah, and you still think it's a yellow? I don't understand. Yeah, that's... Be- mainly because, Rich, I have seen yellows given for that consistently over and over again, particularly as the game has got softer. So I agree with you. I don't want it to be a yellow, and I don't want us to lose that physicality from the game I think it's a very important part and and I saw I've seen like that that um what's it called that goal of of Haaland's that he got um disallowed yeah it's like he's just stronger than him oh yeah it was given in the end sorry but it's like they were looking at it at VR it's like he wasn't a foul he was just stronger than him it's like you've got to you know for those players who are have a physical advantage you've got to allow them that so I think I think that's just my, my my problem there's it's just if, if people in some games in our competitors or other people in the league are determining that those offences are yellow cards and they need to be punished that way, you have to then apply that principle to the rest of the board. Otherwise, there is an element of so fairness. I will go back to the question to you. Give me another incident of where a similar tackle has happened in a Burnley game this season because I can't remember a similar no, I incident. Can't. No, I can't. So it's all well and good saying consistency, but like I don't. I think the one that frustrates me and it happened in the Swansea game was when Teller got tugged back twice by the same defender in Cabango. A yellow wasn't given. And then I think one of the Burnley players did it. He, he gets bought. That's, that's the one that annoys me. But in that, that, that Max Aaron's second yellow challenge was a very, very 
interesting foul to give away. I think it was in too a, unique it, an example for yeah, Neil to. I do okay. because yeah, I get that. He's gone in with full force, but he's pulled out, and it looks way worse than it is. That's my opinion on it, but I'm not yeah. saying I'm right. I just find that you know. Anyway, about the referees, I just think, yeah, it was just. I think sometimes as as fans, we can be quite biased. And we don't take a minute to kind of step back and go, you, you yeah. know what, let's try and understand it from a referee's point of view. And the last thing I'll say about this is, and it's like offside, a handball or a red card, a lot of people get mixed up with their own views of what a foul should be rather than what the actual law is. Yeah. And yeah, I think no, I that's think that's fine. And that's the kind of last thing I'll say, but to kind of echo on the game, what a fantastic win it was. Mm. I thought it was a great win. And overall, Really good performance, fully deserved the win. Murich has been a bit shaky late and he'll do his confidence the world ago because that was a very good save. And I thought he, he was really fantastic. Well. I thought he had a He was very good. Game. I don't have, as a coin to actually, how are you feeling about Murich at the moment, Tom? Because I know in the first couple of games when this playing from the back and, you know, just the flowing play and just, you know, dribbling around defenders was, was something we weren't used to. We were kind of nervous. And then he unfortunately conceded a couple of sloppy goals from that, which got the crowd on his back. But for me, number one, when he's not playing, I really miss the flow coming out of defence. I miss it. When when we've got uh, Peacock Farrell in and he stops and he throws it out or whatever, I, I get a little, I'm already a bit, mm, come on, be a bit quicker. But secondly, I, I just I feel a lot more confident with Murich in the next. And he's actually turning out to be a very good shot stopper, as well as being much more commanding and taking fewer unnecessary risks. Do you think that's fair? Definitely got better in the last couple of games. He's come out and claimed a few that he can actually hold on to. There was a moment in the Norwich game where the Tonga colour into the near post. And again, he came off his line and got nowhere near it. His command of his box isn't good enough. Um, that yeah. needs to improve. That, he just panicked me with that. If there's a, a, a ball coming into the box, it's... Mm. That I'm not confident at all. But I did, having said that, I do like him. Shot stopping is, I don't think he's really let us down at all with his shot stopping. Uh, well, you know, maybe the, the odd one or two, you think he's run a bit, bit, a bit better with that. But it was a great save from Peak. He saved us two points. Just, and, it, and I saw people saying, you know, it wasn't right in the corner. He made it easy. But it's because of his positioning, made, yeah, made it easy. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Himself up, and he made the save look easier than it actually was because of that, because his positioning was really good. In terms of his kicking, it's brilliant, and he's he's very confident. He's a good fit. Um, yeah, I think it looks like a good signing. Um, you know, we're never going to get a keeper who's as good as the last few that we've had now in the championship. So, yeah, I, don't, I can't knock him out. I, I'm very happy with him. It's a good bit of business. Um, sticking with the defence, then Tom, and I think you kind of touched on this when you did your opening summary um, at the top of the show. Company once we went one nil up made the substitutions that we wanted him to make against Birmingham, against other games this season where we've dropped points. Um, I, I don't think he likes it. I don't think company likes to go defensive and sit back and play something a little bit, you know, what's the word I'm looking at? I mean, defensive is probably the right word, but it's not. But actually in the championship, sometimes you need to do it. And I think tactically in that last 10 minutes, he got it spot on. Yeah, I think the the game you mentioned that Birmingham is the is the, the the exact one to bring up because it was a very similar scenario. We'd thrown on attackers trying to get a late goal. We'd nip that late goal. Then it, against Birmingham, they brought on uh, Jukovic, that had a bit more physicality going forward, and we didn't adjust to that. And then we were really penned in. Um, so in order to bring on Hugo, the same kind of physicality, the opportunity to just go front to back and uh, and hit as quick, and and he responded to it and. 
he was too slow to respond against Birmingham and it ended up costing us a couple of points. But all you can do is is improve and learn from that, and uh, and that's what he did. So yeah, brilliant, uh, very good sub. And um, and like I say, it was very, it was Sean Dyche esque that last sort of five ten minutes. It was, uh, it, <laughs> it was uh, there was gamesmanship, there was uh, winning headers, there was Murich coming and catching, uh, and then sinking to his knees very slowly. And it was a Pickford esque uh, performance. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it was very good, and and you felt. You know, despite the fact that we've thrown so many leads away this season, you felt pretty confident after yeah, the save from Pukki. Norwich didn't look like scoring. So, the saying they're one of the, well, they didn't look like one of the better teams in the league on uh, on Tuesday night. But, you know, I'm sure they'll be up there if they get a, a new manager and, and add a bit in January. So, uh, for saying that it's, you know, a higher class of team than, than we have been dropping points to, it was, uh, it was very encouraging, I thought. Yeah, it's interesting, really, because we keep coming across these teams that experts are telling us are up there and one of the best sides in the league. And I'm still maintaining that we look head and shoulders above everybody else. I am convinced that we are the absolute best team in this league, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, Rich, I'm going to come back to you very quickly before we move on to preview the Reading game at the weekend. Um, putting your coaching hat back on, you've set your stall out now because you've been sending us diagrams about offside rules all day. So... And you're now our referee. You're our now resident F, uh, referee expert. I'm going to change our sign off. So our referee. You can tell them off work. <laughs> yeah, you can. Way too much time on your hands. Get back to work. Come on. Um, what else? I've lost my train. I thought I was going to say a technical question. Yes. So um, as we saw in that first half, incredibly dominant performance in terms of possession, but again struggled to break down. It was I didn't really understand why it was nil nil when we went in at half time. Consistent theme across the season. What does company and all these players need to do? Taking aside, say, Swansea, for example, which we kind of knew they played into our hands playing so expansively. These these teams that are going to sit tight against us, what's the missing piece of the puzzle? What do they do to well, break that? That's a good question. It's, it's a very tough question. And I think... I at, no, but you look at when like we played against Liverpool and, and we beat them 1-0 at Anfield and all the attacking talent they've got. When a team sits deep, and defends the penalty area, it, it is difficult to break down. You see, not the first 20 minutes we were we were fantastic. Created, you know, we did create chances. Our finishing was actually poor, the opposite to the Sunderland game. I think you look at our team and we've got a lot of real tidy footballers, we've got pacey wingers, but it goes back to we've still not probably got that real technical number 10. Yeah. Who can, you know, and I don't want to keep going on about twine, but that that's ultimately why we did signing, but we've had we, we, we might not see him for, for a long time and there's no guarantee after being out for so long he's going to be sharp again. I think just sometimes, I think it's just having that little bit of patience. I think companies referred to that in his in his press conferences. Having patience, I always say, as the game goes on, space normally you know, space normally just naturally opens up when people get, get tired. And I think it's just that just keep plugging away and plugging away. And you look at it and go, when was the last time we didn't score a goal? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I think it, it might have been Watford when we actually lost 1-0. Yeah, I think that's the only time this, this is that the only time this season. I might be wrong. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So people keep going on about lack of creativity. We're actually the leading goal scorers in the league. Yeah. And we've scored four in two games and five in one, which does skew the figures a, a little bit. But I always feel confident that we will score a goal in a game. It's, it's, it's more the other end. And I thought, so... For me, staying patient, what I've noticed with company is really keeping his wingers wide. So like Zaruri and Benson, re, uh, sorry, Zaruri and Gunmanson and then Benson when they come on, 
They really made the pitch wide. Yeah. So, 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 so you're asking for the opposition to kind of come out of their shape a little bit. And I think what we started to do, we started committing more men into the box. And, you know, I noticed there was like Court, Court was getting into the box, Brown was getting into the box, Gunmanson's getting into the box now, or the other winger from the other side. And it causes that little bit more panic uh, yeah. from the defence, uh, in their defence. Uh, so to go back, it's quite a long-winded answer. I don't think there's a magic wand, if I'm being honest. I don't. We're not going to just all of a sudden, you're not going to just break teams down with 10 men behind the ball just dead easily. It's just no. not going to happen because they're in a shape. But Pete, keep the patience, keep the width, and just keep plugging away and keep moving the ball fast. I think we're moving the ball quicker. Now, it's not as laboured between centre-half, between the midfielders. Yeah. So, yeah, so keep playing with that high intensity. And I think Tom made a fantastic... I really enjoyed uh, going the five at the back. People on Twitter, and I understand this, were going, we're going a little bit deeper, but I'd rather be deep, because if you go a bit deeper, you're not you're not having as many spaces, uh, spaces in the box when they're crossing the balls. And then how many goals have we conceded from crosses yeah. where players have got nobody on them? So the Birmingham game, Vitinho was taking a throw in his own half and you get completely split open then, where if you're deep in a nice shape, you're not going to get cut open. And the chance Pukki had is because actually both Harwood Bellis and Bayer dove in and missed the ball and he managed to flick it around the corner. So if we're 1-0 up and they bring another big man on, I'm more than happy for him to go five at the back, sit a little bit deeper, clear the ball and get it into the corners and win the game like we did on uh, Tuesday. Lovely. There you go, listeners. That is our very own Rich Steele's grand unified theory on how to fix sitting deep teams. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, let's move on because we have another championship fixture to look at. And it is, of course, the weekend. It is Saturday, the 29th of October, a three o'clock kickoff. All the joys. And we are at home to Reading. So we're going to hand over straight away to our resident statistician and our um, preview show expert Dave Roberts. He's going to give us the championship head to head. Of Burnley's 18 previous league seasons alongside Reading, 11 have been in the second tier and seven in the third tier. As we have been doing so far this season, we're going to take a look back at the second tier meetings. And as we're at home on Saturday, it's our 11 previous home games at this level which we are particularly interested in. Only one match from our list took place prior to the Second World War, and that was a Burnley win from September of 1930. But what a win it was. 
The Burnley Express headline was Reading routed. Burnley's goal-scoring efforts well rewarded as the Clarets annihilated the Royals by an 8-1 scoreline. We spread the goals around that day with Louis Page and Joe Mantle both bagging a brace along with one each from Tommy Prest, Jimmy Brown, Peter O'Dowd and Evan Jenkins. We then skip ahead to the mid-1990s and in January 1995 the visitors were the victors by a 2-1 scoreline with goals from Lee Nogan and Scott Taylor despite Gary Parkinson finding the net for Burnley in the second half. Then, in February 2003, the visitors led 1-0 at half-time, but a crazy second half saw six more goals, four for Reading and two for Burnley, plus a missed penalty apiece, although Reading did score from the rebound after their miss. That match finished as a 5-2 away win for the Royals. Burnley returned to winning ways in November of 2003 as goals from Robbie Blake, Richard Chaplow and Luke Chadwick helped to seal a 3-0 home win. After a goalless draw in January 2005, the visitors gained the upper hand again in March 2006, with a 3-0 win of their own. But the next time the two teams met at Turf Moor was in the 2008-09 season, and that match from October 2008 went Burnley's way, thanks to an 81st-minute winner from Robbie Blake. Since then, there have been four more second-tier meetings at Turf Moor, and Reading have won three of them. In October 2010, they were 4-0 winners against 10-man Burnley after Leon Court had been sent off. Then in October 2011, Jem Karakan scored a last gas goal in stoppage time as the Royals won 1-0. Burnley managed a 2-1 win in October 2013 with goals from Danny Ings and Sam Bokes. And in September 2015, Nick Blackman and Lucas Piazon put the visitors 2-0 up inside the first 10 minutes. And despite a second-half goal from Tendai Dariqua, Burnley weren't able to pull back the deficit. One match we haven't included in our list, as playoff games aren't categorised as league matches, is our meeting with Reading in the Championship playoff semi-final first leg at Turf Moor in May 2009. But in a slight break with tradition for the preview show, we're going to look back again at that meeting in our memory match feature very soon. In summary then, Reading have a comparatively good record on their second-tier visits to play at Turf Moor. As well as four Burnley wins and one draw, Reading have won six of their 11 away games at this level. OK, back to studio. Next section, gentlemen. The players who have played for both Burnley and Reading. Now, Tom, was it you? I don't know if you've got the graphics up there. Who was it in our group chat who noticed that there was something missing and Statman David made a mistake? Was it you, Tom, or was it Rich? I think it was Rich, to be fair. I'm not as pedantic as Rich, so that's why. <laughs> None of us are as pedantic as Rich. Go on, who did you... Yes, it was you, Rich. Who did you flag to Statman Dave? He was arguing with Statman Dave and telling him he was wrong. He was a very, very brave man. Who was your was player? <laughs> who was your player who played for both? Dave's, Dave's defence was up until the end of the 2022 season. So Dave was of course right. So of course Jeff Hendrick currently yes. at Reading. I think he's on loan. I might be wrong. But I don't want to waste my breath on Jeff Hendrick, if I'm being honest. When there's only one player who's represented two clubs, hero of mine, Glenn Little growing up, my yes. favourite, my absolute hero growing up. So yeah, there, there's my main player who's represented both teams. Yes. and. He scored two goals in my first away game. 
when Burnley won 3-2 in about year 2000. Burnley won 3-2 and Tony Ellis scored the winner, if any of you two know what that game could have been. My first away That's game for Burnley. Player, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Bradford, correct, Tom. Yeah, so great, great memories of Glenn Little. Amazing. Yeah, Glenn Little, 282 complete appearances for Burnley and 111 league appearances for Reading. Um, another... Uh, player that, that came on there which 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 got my attention was bringing us bang up today it was young Matty Vidra 97 appearances for the Clarets and 31 for Reading um, anybody on that list who sprung out to you Tom? Uh, I think we'll probably discuss this game at some point later in the podcast but uh, Andre BK jumped yes. out Did I, I enjoyed him when he played for us he was like he was enjoyably mental wasn't he but then that obviously that red card he got uh, yes, in the, in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, well. of course. Happy memories of you on both sides. Yeah, definitely. It was very nice to see him back that season, wasn't it? It was like, oh, yeah, he just threw the game for us and then came to join us. But uh, yeah, for some of our older listeners, uh, Mike Conroy, 101 appearances for Clarence and 80 for Reading. Um, way back in the good old days of John Murray. Uh, we've also got uh, Chris Woods, not the Chris Woods, another Chris Woods, Luke Chadwick, Joseph Mills, Chris Baird. Nathaniel Chalabar and Danny Drinkwater in his uh, didn't really light up turf more, but he did play for both of them as well. So keep your eye out on socials, Clarets. We will tweet that list so you can have a look and go down a trip down memory lane with some of our played for both. Uh, back to Dave then, please. And he is going to tell us who he picked for the memory match this week. Although technically it isn't included as a league game, Burnley followed up their 1-0 home win over Reading at Turf Moor in October 2008 with another victory when the two teams met again in the end-of-season playoffs. That season, Burnley finished in fifth place, a point behind fourth-place Reading, although the Royals had benefited with a point earned against Watford earlier in the season, when the officials somehow decided the ball had crossed the line when in reality it had been nowhere near. We were expecting a tight game at Turf Moor on 9th of May 2009, which coincidentally was also the 22nd anniversary of the Orient game. Owen Coyle's Clarets seemed to have some good momentum going into the game, following an impressive 4-0 win over Bristol City to seal our playoff berth, whereas Steve Copple's Reading had faltered slightly, losing at home to Birmingham City in their last match of the regular season. There was a packed Turf Moor on a sunny Saturday evening, as the Burnley fans who had so cruelly been denied a visit to Wembley earlier in the season, following a heartbreaking League Cup semi-final against Spurs, were wondering if the team could go one better this time. It seemed as if the match was heading towards a goalless draw, until Burnley were awarded a penalty for a shirt pull on Stephen Thompson by Andre Bique. Graham Alexander, who else, stepped up and fired home from the spot to give Burnley a vital 84th minute lead and things went from bad to worse for the visitors as Andre BK appeared to stamp on Robbie Blake and was sent off, resulting in a massive strop as he took off his shirt and threw it to the ground. As we know, two incredible goals in the second leg sealed a 3-0 aggregate win, and we went on to beat Sheffield United in the final at Wembley thanks to that memorable goal from Wade Elliott. And of course, we like to give you lots of differing views on our preview show. So this week, we spoke to the Tilehurst End and they gave us their thoughts ahead of the game in this week's Opposition View. Reading's form and performances have been really up and down of late. We beat Huddersfield, they managed a draw with Norwich. 
then a three-match losing run against QPR, West Brom and Swansea, and then we managed to improve and uh, beat Bristol City last time out. We've shown in that run that we're capable of some really good performances, but also of just not turning up. Um, and I think from a perspective of going into this tough game against Burnley, I'm looking back to the to the QPR away game, to the Swansea away game, when we did have some good moments, but ultimately we didn't have that cutting edge and we just lacked the, the concentration late on to, to see out a result and we got beat narrowly, deservedly, each time. Still, the fact that we beat Bristol City in our last game and got a clean sheet for the first time in, in quite a while is a really good confidence booster. Um, going into this game specifically, I think Reading are going to be happy to to play it without the ball, to not try and dominate possession. We never do that. I don't think we're going to press too much either, really. We are going to be happy to sit back, absorb pressure, try and stay organised and resilient as much as we can, and then get forward uh, on the counter and set pieces and score goals in that in that fashion. Um, as for the lineup, I don't expect too many changes from the from the last game against Bristol City, but one that is likely is Andy Yeardom coming in as a right-sided centre half in our 3-5-2. Uh, he was suspended for the last game and he's a he's a key player for us as our captain and I don't see him not starting this one. Um, he's likely to come in for Junior Hoylet as a wing-back uh, with uh, Amadou Mbengue who really impressed as a makeshift defender probably keeping his place as a, as a right wing-back on this occasion. As for the full line-up I'm thinking Joe Lumley will keep his place in goal Andy Yeardom, Tom Holmes and Tom McIntyre across the back three Wingbacks of Amadou Mbengue and Baba Rahman, who's on loan from Chelsea. Uh, midfield three of Mamadou Loom, Tom Ince and Jeff Hendrick, so exactly the same as the last game. Then up top, um, I'm pretty sure Yaku Meite will start again. He's in a bit of form, having played well in the last two games and scored against Swansea and got an assist against Swansea. Um, but who partners him is a little bit tricky to predict. I'm thinking Shane Long his experience and his ability to hold the ball up and bring us into the game so he's going to be valuable on the counter-attack but it could just as easily be Lucas Schwell or Andy Carroll as more of a, a physical target man presence. Um, as for the score, I'm not too confident going into this one to be honest Reading aren't particularly good at scoring away from home and we're not particularly good in tough games away from home full stop if we are going to win it it's going to be a narrow 1-0 and essentially shutting up shop and going from there um, but I think there's going to be too much quality in Burnley uh, for us on this occasion, unfortunately, and I can see it being 2-0 to the home side. And our final piece of information in advance of this weekend's game is, of course, the refereeing position has been a hot topic in this week's podcast. For the Reading game, we are going to have Jeremy Simpson of Carnforth. He is, is, that's the north of Lancashire. Thanks, Dave. Bit of a job for lesson as well. Um, he's taking charge of the game on Saturday. Now, assuming that the, the EFL don't change their minds again, this will be his first ever Burnley match. Simpson is very experienced. His first match as a football league referee was back in the 2011-2012 season in League Two. And he has been a referee in the championship since the 2012-2013 season. Although we must have somehow managed to avoid him in 13-14 and 15-16. Not really sure how. Um, although he has kept his red cards in his pocket so far this season, listeners, there have been 38 dismissals from him in 203 previous championship matches. Dave's not 100% sure what the average is, but it sounds like quite a lot. Thank you for that little nugget, Dave. That was that was a useful summary. Um, heading over to you then, Tom. Um, how are we feeling ahead of the game? Obviously, the Clarets at the moment 
simply don't look like they're going to lose. But I'm, you know, at some point that is going to come to an end. But as with most things, I'm feeling very confident. How are you feeling? Um, there's a couple of things that worry me a little bit. Reading have had uh, a really good start. I think most people expect them to be sort of bottom six this season and had a tremendous start. They're, they've dropped off a little bit, but they're not going away. Uh, one at the weekend as well. So I'm a little bit funny, a little bit hard to know what to expect from them. I, I think if they if they come and they try and get something, then then I'd be confident. But I could see them just digging in and, and trying to nick a goal, and I think we would struggle with that if, if they did that. Um, the other thing that worries me is uh, is Court being suspended. Um, we were missing Cullen on Tuesday night. I think them two in the base of the midfield is is a really important part of the team. Um, and so to have one missing is is a blow. But if they were both out, then I don't think we'd get the same kind of um, the same kind of passing range from Bastin and Brownell if, if they were to play there. So that would worry me a little bit as well. Um, hopefully, it's a game where we can get an early goal, and if we can get in front early doors, then I'd be fairly confident. I think we will cause some problems, but probably not as confident as, uh, as some would be. Mm, that's fine. What is your solution to the Jack Court problem, Rich? Yeah, I think just going back to what Tom says, I think it is a blow, but Reading are very much a home team. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if you look at the stats from this season, Reading are third in the fourth, in the third in the home table, but a fourth bottom um, in the away table. So, that gives me a little bit of... I don't know, a bit of confidence. My solution, listen, don't don't overcomplicate anything. If Cork and Cullen are injured, give Bastian a go in midfield. Yeah. You know, he's played a lot of football in the Belgium top flight. I think he's got... I don't necessarily worry about his passing range as much. I'm kind of a little bit worried that he might be a little bit weak in there. Um, I've seen some suggestions on Twitter today about playing Roberts in central midfield, which... What? I was a bit... I know, Exactly. Don't Who are you following me. on Twitter, Rich? You need to do a call. Well, this is the annoying <laughs> thing about Twitter now. People's tweets just come up that you don't even follow. That's true. Yeah, it's true. So um, I seen that today. I was like, well, okay, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but that's not a very how, good How one. very controlled um, of you, Rich? I would have bitten. I mean, like... You know, I'm trying not to. Uh, I got... Uh, yeah, trying oh, it's half term. Uh, it's half term. It's yeah, chill. I'm more relaxed. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, just, just don't overcomplicate anything. I think... You've seen with the back four recently, you know, we, we've been trying to, you know, Taylor going to centre-half and Vettino going to left-back and he gets a bit muddled up. So just give Bastian a go in there. Listen, that's why we bought him. That's why we're in the squad. But I do agree with 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 Tom, even though Renning's away phone's poor. If we had Cork and Cullen or even one of those two in, in midfield, I'd be like, yeah, well, we'll win. But with the prospects of not having both of them, it does concern me slightly that we're not maybe going to have the same control of the game and that we could be more vulnerable to counter-attacks. And, you know, it just seems a bit inevitable that Jeff Hendrick could produce his one worldie every two seasons on Saturday. So we'll, we'll see. But, of course, looking forward to the game, as I always look forward to getting to the turf on a Saturday. Lovely, lovely stuff. Actually, it's my, I'm, I've got a reason to be even more excited. Um, I, I am, sorry, listeners, I'm in the box again this weekend. I do keep doing this. I keep, uh, I've gotten turned into a rat hospitality queen. Uh, but more excitingly, it is my eight-year-old nephew's first. I'm not even going to tell you, listeners, what abuse Rich Steele has just given to me in the chat box. That is not for civilised. I can't believe you just called me that name. That is not for civilised listening. Um, it is. Uh, my eight-year-old nephew is finally coming to the turf. So he's coming to his first game. And we're taking him, me and his, me, me dad, his granddad. So I'm very excited. Uh, Tom, goal predict, uh, score prediction from you, please. And then same straight after Rich. 
let's have let's have a two 0 a nice comfortable two 0 Rich, one nil. I am going to be more positive than this. I think we're going to have a goal fest at the weekend. Um, I do think we're going to concede a goal just because I think Jeff Hendrick will score. So for those of you who you've been enjoying Brommers Bankers this week, I'm going to go 3-1 to the Clarets. Please gamble responsibly and please use your free bets for that. Please don't use your money because I don't know what I'm talking about. So there you go. Um, excellent. Right, well, let's move on. Uh, oh, actually, no, we've got a Saturday of the week. Uh Let's hand over to Dave one last time before we move on to the FBL section. Dave, finish us off, please, with your miscellaneous stat of the week. Tuesday's victory over Norwich City was the eighth time since the year 2000 that Burnley had won a match 1-0 with a goal scored direct from a penalty. I checked back through over 5,700 competitive games in the Burnley Stats Match database and discovered that there had been 38 such occurrences in Burnley's favour in the club's history. The last time it happened before this week was when Ashley Barnes scored from the spot at Anfield in a 1-0 Burnley win in January 2021. And the last time it happened at Turf Moor was when Chris Wood netted a last-minute penalty in a 1-0 FA Cup win over Barnsley in January 2019. In all, 30 of those 38 Burnley 1-0 wins with a penalty were at Turf Moor. On the flip side, Burnley have suffered a total of 36 1-0 defeats to a penalty, and that will also be the topic of the quiz question which we will set at the end of this episode. And as ever, second half of the podcast, we are looking at the FPL. Um, We're going to hand over to our FPL expert, Adam Dennett, who's going to give us all of the updates from game week 13 and what is happening at the top of the table. Hi, Adam here with your game week 13 FPL review. Starting off with your team of the week from game week 13, uh, lining up in a 4-4-2 formation. In goal, Dean Henderson from Nottingham Forest after uh, his side's 1-0 shock victory over Liverpool where he got save points and all three bonus points. Uh, In defence, Kurt Zuma from West Ham uh, with a goal in his side's 2-0 victory over Bournemouth on Monday uh, and picking up all three bonus points and clean clean sheet points from that game. Uh, The rest of the defence all got an assist and clean sheet points and bonus points. They are Timothy Castagna from Leicester uh, in their big win away at Wolves, Mikolenko from Everton in their 3-0 win over Palace, and Tyrone Mings for Aston Villa, making up for his own goal against Fulham last week with an assist and a clean sheet in Aston Villa's 4-0 victory over Brentford at the weekend. Into midfield, another Villa player, Leon Bailey, who always seems to do brilliant whenever he's on FPL benches or being transferred out, uh, with a, a goal and an assist and two bonus points. Um, Alex Iwobi got two assists in Everton's victory. Uh, Andreas Pereira, another one that were on a lot of FPL benches at the weekend, uh, with a go- uh, with two assists sorry, in uh, Fulham's 3-2 victory at Leeds. And completing the midfield, Casemiro for Manchester United, after his fantastic header earned them a point at Chelsea. Up front, surprise, surprise, Erling Haaland, two more goals um, in his side's 3-1 victory over Brighton on Saturday. And joining him up front, Danny Ings returns to form with a brace in Villa's win over Brentford. On to the No Never League, 
and bringing you a top five rundown. Uh, in fifth place, Brad Banks with 793 points. Fourth place, Evan Dobson, 794 points. Third, Mark Robinson, 803 points. Second, Daniel Shepherd with 808 points. And we're, after it's been tight for most of the season, Rupert Booth had a very, very good game week again, 76 points, giving him a 28-point lead at the top, taking him to 836 points overall. Well done, Rupert. And um, in our much-coveted and much-loved uh, Manager of the Month for October, uh, your top five rundown is Adam Major in fifth place, 353 points. Fourth, Martin Palmer, 354 points. Lucas Proctor in third, 359 points. Rupert Booth, uh, top of uh, the main league, in second place, 373 points. And currently with a 10-point lead going into game week 14, which is the last round of fixtures in the October Manager of the Month, is Liam Byrne with 383 points. Um, so, yeah, we'll give give an update on, on who's won that after... Uh, after the Reading, uh, Reading game in next week's preview show. Uh, just a few uh, bits of advice as we lead up to the World Cup. It's fine to be really aggressive with your transfers now. Um, only pick players that you think will score well in the next three game weeks, game weeks 14 to 16, as, um, as we all get unlimited free transfers while the World Cup's on. City have the best fixtures um, of the premium teams, uh, with Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal and United all having reasonable runs up to the World Cup. Uh, but I'd advise three City players if you haven't already. Uh, cheaper teams to watch out for with good fixtures um, are Everton, Brentford and Palace. Uh, Everton uh, with a couple of good results recently and looking more solid at the back with Tarkovsky and Cody. Um Another th thing to factor in this week is Haaland um, went off injured against Dortmund in the week uh, and was pictured hobbling awkwardly today in, uh, in, uh, in, well, on his way into uh, City's training ground. So I'd, I'd definitely hold fire and wait for team news um, on that one. Uh, if he's just a doubt or it's a short-term injury, um, then I think it's worth keeping him and probably keeping the captain's armband on him. Because uh, if he was to be fit and ended up starting against Leicester at the weekend, he could do a lot of damage if you've sold him or not captained him. Uh, if we get news that Haaland is out for a few weeks, then the best replacements are probably Jesus, Kane and Nunes. All with decent fixtures up to the World Cup. Um, so yeah, one of those if you haven't already got them. In terms of captaincy, like I said, I'll be sticking on Haaland unless we get definite news. Uh, but other alternatives, Salah, uh, is at home to Leeds and uh, any Arsenal player really against Forest. Uh, the deadline is Saturday 11am uh, and just a reminder that we will re we'll reveal October's Manager of the Month next week. Wishing you all green arrows for game week 14. Up the Clarets. And finally, listeners, we are going to leave you again with this week's quiz question. Dave wants the following from you, please. Can you name the two opposition players who scored penalties in 1-0 wins over Burnley in Premier League matches at Turf Moor? Send us your answers, please. You can tweet us at None and Ever. 
you can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can email us at previewshow at knownandever.com. That is all we have time for this week, listeners. We will be back next week. Again, there is another midweek game. It's next Wednesday, which is the um, home tie against Rotherham. So we will see you after that. We will be... uh, Oh, actually, no, we will. We'll do a preview show ahead of that game. So we'll probably be with you on Tuesday. So keep an eye out on social media. Um, In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of others. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the None and Ever podcast. Until next time. The None and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.